Hello, and welcome to JK It's Magic, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, and because talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jesse, And I'm Kelly. And as we start looking ahead to 2020, we want to take a look back at all the wonderful books we read in 2019. We're recording this episode in November, so there are sure to be more great books to come. I figured we could start out with a JK It's Magic by the numbers. Let's do it. 2019 segment. So in 2019, we we released or will release total 20 episodes, 17 of which are about books. There's also two interviews, one with each of us, and a year in review recap episode, which is this episode you're listening to right now. That comes out to 24 total hours of episode audio, approximately 100 hours of editing the audio and writing the show notes because it takes us about four times as long as the episode, wouldn't you say? Yeah, about that. And I would, I think each of us spends about two hours prepping our episode scripts before recording. So that comes out to about 70-ish hours. And who knows how many hours of reading that ends up being. And then a billion, a, bi- a bajillion hours of reading or listening because yes, audiobook equals reading. Fuck off yep. to all the people who don't think that. And I calculated that's about 7,722 total pages this year. We read a lot of pages. We really did. <laughs> we really did. So if you want to support our labor, this feels like an appropriate time to plug the Patreon, wouldn't you say? Yes, <laughs> I think so. Because all of this is work. We work really hard on the podcast. We love bringing it to you and we want to keep making cool shit. So please consider joining our Patreon. All right, let's talk about some books we read this year. Um, what were the books or books you couldn't put down this year? For me, definitely were The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang and also Wicked King by Holly Black. Those were the biggest page turners, I think, when I'm looking back through all of the episodes we recorded. What about you? Um, Okay, so I included some books that we didn't read for the podcast this year because I read a a few books outside of the podcast. Um, um, I read a ton of romances this year. So The Proposal by Jasmine Guillory was one of my favorites. Wicked King by Holly Black, Dread Nation by Justina Ireland, um, and then Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Um, I loved all those books. They're all kind of romance heavy, with the exception of Dread Nation, I guess. Not super romancy, but I had a lot of fun reading all the things this year. I'm still looking at Red, White, and Royal Blue on my bookshelf right there. I have not finished it. Oh, no. I didn't realize you hadn't finished it yet. Nope. No, I think Um, I should. You should do that. 40 pages in. Oh, my God. I know. It's the Kelly way. It is. Start something and then come back to it later and maybe finish it. Maybe. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. What was the favorite reread that you did this year? Mine was Harry Potter because I read it every year. Uh, Usually do the audio book, but I think I might like reread the um, illustrated ones this year upcoming year because I got I have one through four I've gotten those for birthdays and anniversaries over the past couple years and then of course Akamath because I also read that like every year and I love it so much (laughs) and then you stop after the mating scene and don't finish it yeah because like the rest isn't that fun to me and like (laughs) 
Akawar is pretty good, but I'm also like, can they just have their happily ever after an Aka map? Because I didn't like Akawar that much. And you're like, I was here for the pining and the tension. Yeah. yeah. Aka- what about you? <laughs> Akamath was definitely one of my favorite rereads. And also Crooked Kingdom, which we are reading to record soon. But it's yes, but it, it'll come out before this episode. That's true. <laughs> Weird um, recording strangeness. You're breaking. We're breaking yeah. the fourth wall with you listeners. Um, yeah. Crooked Kingdom. I just I think that those books are incredible. I have so I'm thinking so many things about all oh, of the I'm characters. So I'm so excited. Um, what new authors have you discovered this year? Um, so many. A lot of the people we read for the podcast, I hadn't read anything by them before. Even like canon ones like Holly Black, I had never read. Um, so the podcast was a, a really nice way to start reading people that have been a- around like the fantasy slash YA scene for a long time, but that I hadn't had a chance to read. Um, but new-ish or newer authors that I was excited to discover were R.F. Kuang. Again, I'm so excited. Um, that I know about her and how badass she is and excited to read what she has next. Zoraida Cordoba and Rena Barron. What about you? For me, I really enjoyed the A Blade So Black, the L.L. McKinney book. And I follow her on Twitter and she is just um, like the queen of Twitter, I would say. Like especially for race issues. I'm just like she just speaks the truth and it's just amazing and I love her um Justina Ireland essay Chakraborty was really good and she talks about a lot of Muslim issues on Twitter which I really love but also is also willing to say like this issue is complicated by the fact that I'm white um a white convert so like I really appreciate that and then Rena Baron. what would you say are the most villainous villains we have seen this year in the podcast and with the books that we've read systems of oppression just always <laughs> yeah Gah, racism fuck racism racism sexism and colonialism. Like all the isms like yeah it's just all the isms yeah. can, can we just live get liberated please i know but a lot of the books we're reading deal with this which i really appreciate it's great it's good Agreed. Do you have a more villainous villain? <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that take for sure. Um, who have been your fave ships this year? I love Faceand because they are just so great. <laughs> and and I also love Caleb and Adam from the Intim- from the Infinite Noise. I think that they are just like so tender and adorable and in love. And oh my god, just I'm all Twitter painted thinking about it. Oh my goodness. What about you? Mine would be Kaz and Inej. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna happen in Crooked Kingdoms yet, but by the time this comes out, I will know. But for some reason, I like ship them hardcore, even though I'm like, I also don't want them to be together. Like, I don't really know what I want for them, but I like them. I think it's because I like them both separately. I want them to be together. <laughs> you, you seem V conflicted. I am very conflicted, but because I'm reading Crooked Kingdom right now, it's like on my mind. 
Um, and then obviously face sand because they're like, you know, OTP. I also love, I can't believe I almost forgot, but Jude and Cardin. It's so twisty and messed up. And like, I don't know how Queen of Nothing is going to go. I'm really excited to see how that turns out. But like, I, that was, it was like the most Ray slash Kylo Ren type dynamic, yeah. you know, like very murky, very like, I'm not sure if what's going on here is appropriate or like, I don't even, or consensual, but it, I don't even know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I have I have no idea about Judy and Cardin. I like want them to be together, but I'm also like, what the fuck's going on here, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, I did like Judy and Cardin. Like their dynamic is very interesting to me. Like Kaz and Inej. Like, I'm like, what's gonna happen? <laughs> Definitely. Problematic fave. I put this one in. <laughs> Cause I feel like I need to own up to the Darkling. And something's wrong with me. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm just being honest here, listeners. I mean, now that he's being played by Ben Barnes, I might be on board with that. Also, but yeah, I don't know what's up with you in the dark. He's basically Voldemort. What is wrong with me? I don't know what this says. That if Voldemort were more attractive, you'd be like on board. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I would just be like Bellatrix. Oh my gosh. Mine is Kaz, because again, I don't know what's going to happen in Crooked Kingdom. But for now, he seems like kind of, he's kind of a terrible person, but I also like love him. I know he has like a lot of trauma, but I'm also like, dude, you do some really shady and like terrible shit. So I don't know. I mean, we've talked just like, kill- we've talked about this before. The emo psychopaths are your jam. Yeah, it's why I like Kylo, and those are the only Star Wars movies I like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, hashtag true confessions, books that we still haven't read. Uh, Kingdom of Ash. (laughs) Yeah, that's both of us. (laughs) You have started it two separate times, I believe? No, just the once. But it's just really hard when you haven't read the rest of them in so long. I think it's on our list for this upcoming year of episodes so that we can finally get through it. Um, also, you still haven't read any of like the Cassandra Clare. You've read like one Cassandra Clare book. Yeah, I've only read City of Bones. I haven't read any of the other ones. I'm not going to at you for that because she's like low-key problematic, so it's okay. But I think Kingdom of Ash is my only one. Like the big one from the Bookstagram community that I haven't read. Oh, we also haven't read any V.E. Schwab. Yeah. So that's, we'll just put that out there. Yeah. And like, uh, what's those ones? Like the, the, <laughs> someone referred to it like The Bachelor, but fantasy. Um, I think you've read them. They're like Victoria Aveyard or something. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read those. The Victoria Aveyard, like the King's Storm. I don't remember. I don't remember. I haven't read them. So they're about revolution. So I'm into that. Okay. I don't know what they're about. I haven't read them. Now it seems too late. (laughs) (laughs) Books we can't wait to read in 2020. Okay. There are a ton. Do you want to go first? For me, the top, top, top are Children of Virtue and Vengeance, um, which I know comes out in 2019, but we have it on the recording schedule for 2020. Um, Queen of Nothing, for sure. Uh wayward son 
which is sitting downstairs yep. on my coffee table, but I have I don't even have it. Have not begun it yet. And Gods of Jade and Shadow by Silvia Moreno Garcia, who we're also reading for the podcast, and I'm super excited. The cover is beautiful, and yeah, that's what I'm really looking forward to. Did you read that one already, Gods of Jade and Shadow? Okay, I felt like you had put it on the list for be like, Jesse, you need to be excited for this book. <laughs> I'm basically making you, I'm hyping it so that you get excited about it. What about what about you? What can't you wait to read in 2020? I think mine are all the same. I did pre-order Queen of Nothing, so it'll be here when it comes out. So I might read it early and like do my show notes and stuff because I'm so excited to read it. And I think it comes out over like my fall break. Um when I should be doing homework, but I probably won't. Um, yeah, that might be it. Oh, there was a new one, The Gilded Ones by a Sierra Leone author that you tweeted to me and then I retweeted about it. I'm really excited to read that. It looks really good. The cover is beautiful. Flipping gorgeous. And the fewer, yeah. I'm like, the more people we read who aren't from the US, the better. Or Europe, the better. Yeah, and we don't get a lot of those, and I'm really interested to read it because I learned recently that some of my family is from Sierra Leone, so I'm also excited to, like, see what that's all about, so things I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, YA fantasy trends in the publishing industry, the tea. Let's spill the tea, Jesse. Let's do it. You, do you want to start? Um, Yes, but you're probably more of the expert here because you are the Twitter person (laughs) yes but sometimes my opinions are my own (laughs) that's true they are your own but also you're paying attention to the comings and goings on of the twitterverse yes um i would say for one people who aren't writing own voices stories there's been a lot of like getting upset when other readers call them on their bullshit yeah. Um, you can probably speak more to this because of your presence in the Twitterverse. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on with like Nick Stone, who wrote Dear Martin, which is a fabulous book. If you haven't read it, you definitely should. It's contemporary YA. Um, but she is a black author and she said she wouldn't give her books like books about black children written by white authors to her kids. And obviously, like this Megan freaked out on Twitter and (laughs) she's like going off, but like people really rally around her people like Angie Thomas and Ella McKinney, like follow them on Twitter. If like you want to be in the know about what's going on with own voices. Also Melinda Lowe. Um, Cause there's a lot going on and like the Megan's come out in droves. Like they are just so angry whenever someone's like, this is my own voices book or like they want to write something about a perspective that's not theirs. And that includes like not just black um, works but like queer voices other marginalized voices um, just like don't write a book if you don't have those lived experiences probably not going to work out just not going to come across authentically or it's just going to take a lot a lot a lot of humility and like mm-hmm. collaborating and like learning if you're going to write one of those things yeah and even then like I've worked with as a sensitivity reader for people and like sometimes people are very receptive and like very understanding but like the last person I worked with was not at all and I eventually had to be like I'm not doing any more work for you like you're either gonna pay me and I'll do it but you don't even seem receptive so like what's the point at this point you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um so like white people can be trash like work on it people that's all I'm gonna say (laughs) and white fragility is real 
Yeah, read the book. Definitely. You, there's a whole book on it. <laughs> or the article. We can link to the article that is open access. Yes. Yeah, the book. Oh, there's also some videos Robin D'Angelo has done that are really good as well. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's not news, but it is the tea. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. What else have you got, Kelly? Um, I think the publishing industry, especially like in the YA sphere, has finally realized that the queers are here and that we read books. Yeah. Because, oh, man. I mean, the, the reason why all these different own voices stories are getting published is because the publishing industry knows that they can make money off of it. And that, like, there are consumers. There's, like, a market for it. I mean, yes, I'm glad that it's happening, but also capitalism sucks. For sure. And, like, I feel like sometimes publishing has, like, these quotas that they're willing to set. Like, oh, we already have our Black story, so we can't do another one. And it's, like, just let people do that. Or, like, when we saw um, Sendia Mannion, who wrote When Dimple Met Rishi, talking about how, like, Target didn't want a brown person on the cover of her books... Like those kind of things I think are changing, but not fast enough for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I say yes to all the diversity. I'm very excited about it. Um, I feel like a lot of times we have been reading like queer stories um, and there's been a lot of fade outs where we don't see that as often in like hetero relationships. So I'm kind of like, what's going on publishing? What are you doing? Fix that. Like, just because it's a queer couple doesn't mean that mm-hmm. there should be a fade out. That's kind of annoying to me. And will you talk about what's going on with ebooks and libraries? Oh my God. Yes. So I'm very upset about this. So right now, Macmillan, which is one of the big five publishers, has said that one library system will get. So, like, when you think about a library system, you're going to think of like all the small branches within that. So, like, the New York public library system is going to include hundreds of libraries. They're the biggest library system in the United States with over 25 million books. Um, So they serve a lot of people. So Macmillan has decided that they're going to put an embargo on eBooks. So for one district, so for like the whole New York Public Library District, they will get one copy of an eBook. And that's the only copy they get for the first eight weeks the book is out. And it's really frustrating because people want access to these books. And ebooks are especially important because for people who have mobility issues and maybe can't leave home, people who need screen readers and need things read to them because they're blind or dyslexic or have vision issues, um, among other reasons. Um, so it's just an accessibility issue. I'm very frustrated. I don't feel like I can stop like buying books from Macmillan because a lot of the times, like, because it punishes the authors for a decision they didn't make. So I don't feel great about that. So I'm not sure what the solution is other than Macmillan needs to like get their shit together. I did retweet something today and I can put it in the show notes about like the address you can write to, to talk to Macmillan and like make your voice heard for that sort of thing. So it's just very frustrating. Ebooks are really helpful for accessibility and libraries should have access to that. Also, libraries pay for it, so I don't understand why Macmillan's doing this. And also, I think they pay way more than market price for ebooks. They do because they are paying for a specific amount of rentals, or sometimes they're paying per rental for ebooks. So, obviously, all that's different for different districts, but it doesn't make any sense at all. No. And um, also. Macmillan Publishing. I'm Googling right now. It's taboo while we're recording. Um, Macmillan Publishing. 
let's see, is part Macmillan is part of the Holtzbrink Publishing Group. And I'm trying to find out what their revenue was for last year. In, oh, I'm sure it's in ginormous. It's a lot. So in 2017, their annual revenue was 351 million pounds. Yeah. Like, so British pounds, which is about double. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're looking at high, like $700 million in revenue. Well, and if, yeah. And it feels like the publish, like the publishers, Macmillan in particular, are trying to say, like, they're not making money if libraries are getting the books. But, like, and I tweeted about this as well, but, like, libraries buy books. Like, that's literally what I'm doing right now for my graduate assistantship is buying books for libraries. And if readers don't have access to those books, they might not get purchase like that's how you discover authors sometimes because libraries are a much easier browsable space than a bookstore I would say because there's no one to bother you like people trying to sell their shit mm-hmm. um so it's great for discoverability sometimes patrons like I've worked in libraries where the wait list for something will be a hundred people long and so I would just buy the book instead if I've already started the series like right I don't know it's hard because it shouldn't be based on like like because capitalism is trash it's like terrible that we have to work through it this way but oh it's so frustrating so and i also am looking up the salaries for example for executives from mcmillan and it says like the average executive makes about a quarter of a million dollars a year 250k a year and that's not even like the highest paid executives which pay which earn more more like seven hundred thousand dollars a year so it's like, um, so you're telling me that you need to charge public libraries who are giving accessibility to a bunch of people who need access to these books and deserve to have access to like, to like art and information. And y'all are out here making over a quarter of a million dollars a year as the executives of this publishing company. I'm, it just doesn't hold water for me. No, especially when you think about like the starting pay to go into publishing, because that is what initially what I wanted to do. The starting pay in publishing is like around 25 a year, which is pretty low for having to move to fucking New York City. And like $25,000 a year, there is nothing. Like you couldn't even live in the city. So like the executives are getting paid a bunch. The place, like the workplaces are not diverse. Like it's all white women. And like the pay is trash. Like so, yeah, it's really frustrating. And that's not even talking about, like, the unpaid internships that a lot of the times the publishing industry relies on. Yeah, which is a ton. And then, like, there is a lot of nepotism in publishing as well. So, like, you know, it's not a meritocracy. So people who don't have access to things that, like, you know, wealthy people do don't have the same opportunities because, like, I can't afford to do an intern, like, an unpaid internship in New York City. Like, that is super out of the question. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really frustrating. Book publishing is trash. That's the tea. Yeah, that's the tea. <laughs> Personal milestones. We can move on to some like non-podcast related things. I moved this year to Illinois, um, which is not like, uh, it's fine. I'm like ready to go back to Colorado um, and started graduate school to become an official book witch. So that's been really exciting and stress inducing, but mostly good, I think. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you're learning a lot and enjoying your classes and meeting new people. And I'm so excited for you to be a librarian. You're going to be such a good librarian. 
Thank you. I hope so. I, I'm really excited. Do you have any personal milestones you'd like to talk about? Well, I don't know if this counts as a milestone, but it was really fucking fun. We went to Harry Potter World. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> that was so great. It was a besties trip and it was a mozzing. Oh, my gosh. Um, Other milestones? I don't know. Like, it's I'm in the last year of my PhD program. So, oh, yeah, personal milestone. I was at my university for 10 years this year. Congratulations. Question mark. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've learned a lot. Let's just say that. And what else? I'm lots of therapy, lots of cultivating friendships, which has been really great. I've been like trying to grow my queer family. Let's just say that. And Yay. really paying attention to the, being intentional with the relationships in my life with the people who really matter to me. And that's been really great. We celebrated a year of friendship this year. That's right. I guess and a year of the podcast, which is just like bananas. I like know. I can't believe it's been a year. Yep. Totally. So proud of us. Me too. What have been some of your favorite nonfiction books this year? My favorite nonfiction books have been um, anything by Adrian Marie Brown, who's an, like an awesome facilitator, activist person. Um, Care Work by Leah Lakshmi and Piepsna Samarsina. Um, the Origin of Others by Toni Morrison. Feminism for the 99%, A Manifesto by Cinzia Ruza, Titi Bhattacharya, and Nancy Frazier. Uh, a lot of, like, I've been reading a lot of feminist theory and disability studies and queer theory. And so those are, I would say, my favorite nonfiction reads this year. What about you? I've got a lot of cookbooks I've been reading and knitting books, uh, which have been super fun. And I can't wait for Kelly to come visit so we can do all the baking and knitting. Yay! Um, I read Am I Dying by Christopher Kelly this year, which like breaks down like when you can take care of things at home, like illnesses, like at home, go to the doctor, go to the emergency room. Um, he's a doctor and there was other doctors involved in the project, but I really liked that book. <laughs> Um, it's especially helpful and it's especially helpful given that like of like how fucked up like insurance is and stuff yes and like there are some things in there that I never would have thought of like if you have like if you start seeing things in your eyes like I would think oh you just go to the doctor when you get a chance and he's like no your cornea could be like coming off of your like separating from your eyeball or whatever you need to go to the emergency room or you're gonna lose your vision so like some of those things like you just think it could be fine. And then you find out, no, it can't. So <laughs> I thought it was really helpful. Um, I also read White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, which is great. And I read that with one of my students, um, Neha. Shout out to Neha. Miss you. Um, and that was super fun. We're both brown. So it was interesting to get, you know, racism from a white perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we were eight years in power by ta Coates, which I'm still working through because it's super heavy and um, like sad to read through looking back on the Obama years in perspective to now. But I love ta Coates, so I like stand him forever. Please don't have done anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the dudes, you know. <laughs> what about your favorite shows that you've watched this year? Okay. As you know, I've watched a ton of TV, as I always do. You are who so, I get my recommendations from. 
Yes. So it was like kind of hard to pare down this list. Um, but some of my faves have been British, Great British Bake Off, as always. Um, Fleabag, especially Fleabag season two, which I have gotten like everyone I can get to watch it. Um, this season, this most current season, I think it was season three of Dear White People it was, was so fantastic. Good. It was so good. Oh my gosh. The storytelling, the cinematography, the soundtrack is rad. There's like, a, I've been listening to the playlist on Spotify. It's really good. Um, Insecure with Issa Rae. I love Issa Rae. Stan her so hard. Um, so watch that if you haven't. It's on HBO. And then one of my favorite, favorite shows, You're the Worst, just ended this year. Um it deals a lot with mental health issues and relationships and I absolutely love that show I can't think of anything else right now I watch a ton of tv I'm watching Peaky Blinders right now I have one episode left it's pretty good um yeah if anyone needs show my recommendations let's chat you also have watched all the Marvel shows yep I love them all um to varying degrees the Punisher is one of my favorites. I think that ended this year, actually, in May. That was great. And Daredevil Season 3 and Jessica Jones Season 3. All fantastic. The Crown, which is about to restart. Oh, um, I think I want to catch up on The Crown just so I can watch Helena Bonham Carter and Olivia Coleman. They are such yeah. incredible actors. They are, like, legendary. One is Americans. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about the UK um, and, like, the monarchy. So that was really interesting. Um, Also, a show that got canceled that I'm really sad about is... Oh, now I can't think of what it's called. It had Mini Driver in it, and um, it was about the family. And their son had cerebral palsy. Oh, why can't I think of what it's called now? It's going to kill me. Okay, I just have to look it up. I'm going to Google during the cast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can hear your clickies. I know, I know. You're such a loud typer. No, it's because my um it's because the sound is coming out near the speakers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I just have to find out what this show is called because I'm very sad it's canceled, but like atypical is still on. Um, because they actually had a person in it with oh, speechless. Watch Speechless if you haven't. There's only three seasons or four seasons now, but um like they actually have a person in with cerebral palsy and they have other people in the show. Like it's really good for disability representation. And I just love that show. It was great. And I'm sad it's over. What about you? Obviously GBBO. Great British Bake Off is so good. We are not worthy. I love it so, so, so much. Um, Yes. Fleabag, which you turned me on to. I, I think, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is really funny and I really like her writing and hot priest. Oh my God. So hot. I didn't even know that I thought he was hot until he was dressed as a priest. And I was like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Which I think is like basically what the show is trying to do to the viewers. Yeah. yeah. Um, also killing Eve. Incredible. Season two. Ooh, I, I think. forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've also been getting more into a few of these uh, super queer rad cartoons, Steven Universe being one of them, and also She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. They're both really, really good. Um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is another one of my favorites. I've been watching that one for a really long time. They're just like terrible people. The characters are, and it's hilarious to me. I have a weird sense of humor. 
and also I've been enjoying the net the explained series on Netflix learning some stuff Mm -hmm. about like k-pop for example fascinating and then I started listening to BTS which is of course excellent those I would say are yeah those are my faves yeah if you like it's always sunny in Philadelphia you should probably watch you're the worst because they're also all terrible people um but like content warning for like depression and suicide and um like drug use and stuff um so there's a lot going on there but it just feels really realistic and i really Mm -hmm. loved it so oh what was the show with oh sex education that was another one i liked oh my gosh i forgot about sex education i loved it so much i watched it twice (laughs) yeah you're the one who told me to watch it that one was really good i'm so excited for next season oh and sabrina came out this year i think Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't remember but season two came out and i really love that show onward um what were your favorite movies this year so i had a hard time with this one because i think i'm just like behind on a lot of the movies honestly so like i've watched some this year that weren't released this year um but ones that were actually released in 2019 that i liked were the most recent how to tame your dragon i love those movies so much they're incredible and also Spider-Man Far From Home. I love Tom Holland. I hadn't watched either of the Tom Holland Spider-Mans. And so I watched them both in like one weekend. And I love him so much. And then also we just saw Jojo Rabbit, which is the new Taika Waititi film. And I'm 100% jealous. I like looked it up. I'm going to try and go see it tonight. I think. It's really, it, it was, it's, it reminds me kind of like a Wes Anderson film, like aesthetically and but like the dialogue is super quirky and funny the main character who plays johannes jojo is so cute and yeah the the humor is just so weird and out there kind of like other taika waititi things like they'll they'll do the thing where you have to say heil hitler to every single person and so there's like there's like three people come into the room and then there's like six people already there and so each one says Heil Hill it's it's like the joke goes on for a really long time but it's it's really funny it's really good yeah like watch Hunt for the Wilder People if you haven't that movie's really good yes I love Taika Waititi and I'm so glad that he's taken over Thor it made it like a million percent better it's so much better now that he's in charge yeah and and like you know support indigenous artists Fuck yeah. Oh yeah, he's coming. He's he's collaborating with an indigenous person from what we now call Oklahoma um to make something else. Oh. He just announced it on Twitter. We can link to that in the yeah. show notes. But Yeah, I think I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And then also watch what we do in the shadows. So funny. So funny. Okay, that one I actually have to like admit I fell asleep during. Okay. Um But that doesn't mean it's not good. I might have just been really tired. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? What were your favorite movies? I had a hard time thinking of movies I saw this year, except for Avengers Endgame, because I saw it three times and like it was everything. And I cried every time I watched it. I actually have watched it four times now and I've cried every time I've watched it. I love it so much. And I, I don't even, I don't like, I don't even have the words. You really, like, you really don't. (laughs) But I loved it. Um, I'm trying to think of like what else I saw this year, but I literally like, oh, Downton Abbey was actually everything I hoped it would be. And it was really good. I really liked it. Um, yeah, I think that's all the stuff I saw this year. Not that many movies. 
Mm-mm. There's ones that I still want to see that I haven't, like um, yeah. Us. I haven't seen Us, Jordan Peele's film. No, I haven't either. I have. It looks scary. I know. <laughs> I know. You need to watch it during the day with the lights on. Yep. Yep. Um, I also haven't seen Hustlers, which I wanted to see. Oh, same. Um, yeah, I want to see that. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen Downton Abbey. Oh, no. But I agree with you. Endgame was really good. It was a good movie. Um, yeah, what else is coming out? I'm really excited. Oh, Issa Rae has a movie coming out called Photograph that looks really good. Um, like I said, I love her. Frozen 2. I'm, I'm going to go see it because I love the first one. I know. <laughs> it's like, and I, it's not, maybe this is kind of cheating, but like I'm kind of excited for that Disney streaming service, even though Disney can be trash. Yeah, but I have to get it because all the Marvel stuff's going to be on there. Yeah. So, and yeah. And they own so many different things. Do they own Nickelodeon? Do you know? No, I don't think okay. so. I was curious. I think it's just Avatar, like. I want my Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. I think it's like Disney owns like Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel. Yeah. That I know of. So I'm excited it for that. Even though, like I said, Disney is trash and they just do things to make money. Like they tried to trademark Dia de Muertos. The, oh, my God. The like. Hey, yeah. It, it, it's just it's wild. It's bizarre. Like, no, that's not for you. They there's like a legal battle going on about Hakuna Matata, which is they tried they trademarked. But it's literally just words in Swahili. Yeah, you can't trademark another language. That's ridiculous. Exactly. So it's a lot about like, hey, it's ours now. Basically like cultural yeah. imperialism. Um, but anyway, I'm probably still going to get the streaming service because I'm full of contradictions. Yeah. Well, pro tip, I think if you have Verizon, you can get it for free. So then you don't have to pay for it. Ooh. So that might, I don't know if you have Verizon or not actually, but you know. Which is also trash. Verizon's trash. Everything's trash. Capitalism can there, like, go fuck itself. There is no ethical <laughs> consumption under capitalism, listeners. Ugh, I know. Except it's for listening worst. to this podcast. <laughs> yes. Just listen kidding. to the podcast. We have no ads. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most looking forward to in 2020? Um, hopefully some cool classes next semester. I won't be taking any classes with my fave professor Carla next semester. So I'm kind of sad about that. She's just so wonderful. Um, and then I realized by this time next year, I'll be applying to jobs, which means panic attacks, which is not fun, but maybe it'll be okay. (laughs) Come back. Um, Come back to me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I'm be moving back to Colorado, you guys. (laughs) Um, my Chemical Romance got back together, which I found out on Halloween, which was like the highlight of my year. So hopefully they'll be doing a reunion tour, which we I will not be to. more excited. Yes, we will be going. If tickets go on sale anywhere cool, like Colorado or Chicago or like Las Vegas, I'll buy tickets immediately. Um, How many times are you going to go see the show? That depends. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just once. I've seen them like four times already, so I can't be like taking up other people's space, you know, to go. Um, but also just more knitting and more baking and more doing this wonderful and lovely podcast with my bestie. Oh, what are you looking forward to? Um, I would say definitely reading and podcasting. This has been one of the joys of my existence. And 
in this pro this project and our friendship is just so wonderful. So definitely that. Also, um, finishing my fucking PhD, I will be a doctor in 2020. That's right. I will be introducing you on the podcast as Dr. Kelly Drumright. That's right. That's right. Um, another thing that I'm looking forward to, but also dreading, it could go either way, is possibly removing an autocrat from the White House, the 45. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Ugh, such a piece of garbage human being. Um, but that could go either way, so we'll see. Yeah, um, I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but... yeah. I'm also looking forward to doing more um, immigration justice work, which I started um, doing a lot more of this past year. And yeah, going back and interpreting, advocating for asylum seekers, like exposing how fucked up our immigration system is and how in the carceral state that is just terrible and inflicting trauma. It's like taxpayer funded traumatizing families and like generational trauma it's awful um looking forward to like getting more involved more protesting more activism more yeah all the good stuff that we've been doing yeah we're doing okay i think that's right <laughs> <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us today magical listeners and talking with us about our phase for this year and what we're looking forward to in the upcoming year um, we'd love to hear from you about your favorite books from the year, what your goals are for next year, um, the highlights of your year. Otherwise, we really appreciate you all. Thanks for listening to JK It's Magic. We'll be back in two weeks in the new year, 2020, for a discussion of The Marrow Thieves by Sherry Dimeline. As always, we'd love to be in conversation with you, magical listener. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we missed, or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or re by reaching out to us on Twitter or Instagram at JKMagicPod. You can post your tweet about the show using the hashtag CriticallyReading, and you can contact us via email at JKMagicPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to JK It's Magic on the podcast app of your choice, and we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show and spread the word to other rad readers out there. If you're interested in supporting JK It's Magic, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee. You can also support us monthly on Patreon in exchange for mini-sodes, bonus eps, swag, and much more. JK It's Magic is recorded and produced on stolen indigenous land. Arapaho, Cheyenne, and Ute land for Kelly and Chickasaw, Kaskaskia, Kickapoo, Maskutin, Miami, Meskwaki, Odawa, Ojibwe, Payankasha, Peoria, Potawatomi, Sauk, and Wea land for Jesse. Until next time, stay magical. Stay magical.